Thank you for joining our Transform 365 podcast, a discipleship and teaching ministry of SWCC. We pray this teaching helps you to grow in your journey with Christ. We have some great resources available for you on Transform365.com webpage. Feel free to download discipleship materials, small group teaching, as well as peruse our training workshops. Also take time to visit www.swcc.org for videos, teaching, and more. We thank you for listening and your support. We'd love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now for our podcast teaching. Welcome to the Transform 365 podcast. Today I'm joined with my co-host, Pastor John, and a very special guest, Pastor Chip Birch. Today we have a very meaty topic as we're going to be talking repentance. Mm. But first, let's get to know Pastor Chip, our special guest co-host today. Uh, Pastor Chip, very familiar with uh, Southwest Community Church. Uh, could you uh, give us a little bit of a background of yourself where it comes to Southwest Community Church in this? Well, sure, Cody. Thank you. And thank you, John, uh, uh, for allowing me to be with you on this uh, discussion today. It's a very good one, an interesting one. Uh, yeah, I came here uh, to Southwest Community Church the first time as a visitor in 1976, carrying my son, who had just been born in Mexico, in a little Moses bag, and which is a carry bag and we came in here and visited with Dr. Miller uh, as the pastor and that was our uh, time entrance here into uh, Southwest. Ended up coming back um, and becoming uh, shortly thereafter I became a youth pastor, youth leader, Bible college. We had a Bible college at the time, uh, Southwest Institute of Biblical Studies. Mm. And uh, so uh, the we team, still have the stamp for that. Yes, we need that. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, they asked me the teachers. What happened is I I got in through vacancy uh, a vacancy created by one of their leaders that had an emergency in Tampa and he had to go be with his family, and I ended up taking over the youth ministry, and also uh, two classes at the institute. Yeah. And uh, so that's that he was, was a it. recent grad from Florida, Florida Bible College. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, before that, I uh, I had a, a degree from Appalachian State. I was uh, uh, had a degree in education there, and before that, I had a I got a my foundational uh, undergraduate work was in marine science, mm. and so I, that's that's kind of a long way around to getting here. Look, go ahead. Well, I was just asking you where are you from where where were you born where are you from. Well, I was born in North Carolina. Oh, okay, and then I my parents took us to Philadelphia area. And I grew up outside of Philadelphia through high school. And then I got on a bus at 17 and went to a program in the middle of the summer. And it was a two-year nonstop program with a research ship. Wow. And uh, so that was it. And then that boat took me a long way. <laughs> well, uh, let me ask you as we're kind of developing, um, one of the things that John and I shared in a podcast not too recently was kind of our theological development in life. You know, who were the people that spoke the loudest, either through mm -hmm. us studying their works or uh, people in class, you know, professors or whatnot. Uh, so who were a couple that spoke the loudest into your life and kind of helped you develop to where you are now theologically and in your understanding of Scripture? I have to say right away, that's easy, an easy question. Um, initially, it was uh, Dr. Mark Cambrin, uh, and his book uh, is available for free online. 
Bible uh, doctrines. Bible doctrines, yeah. um, and that one is a free one. You can download it as a PDF file, and uh, but it was Bible doctrines, which was basically a condensed a condensed course in systematic theology. Mm-hmm. As ba- it's based off of classic systematic theology, and it was just condensed. And then second would be Doctor uh, Dick Seymour and uh, his class that um, was called that very thing. It was actually a series of classes. Systematic Theology 1, 2, 3, and 4. So you took two years of it. So mm. it was a little bit more and uh, loved that. That was a beginning. He was influenced by Dr. Charles Ryrie and uh, also by uh, Lewis Berry Schaefer, mm. who was the founder of Dallas. And it was a lot of the guys at Dallas that, that did this. And so that was uh, kind of like uh, what I chewed on, so to speak. Yeah, that's great. That is great. Well, um, Pastor Chip, we asked you to uh, join us today because, uh, as we said in the introduction, we are talking a very meaty topic of repentance. Mm-hmm. We know that you've led many seminars, uh, many studies, um, and researched very thoroughly this topic of repentance. Um, I'm going to ask Pastor John to go ahead and read the introduction to uh, Bob Wilkins' book, uh, Confident in Christ, uh, because it really just summarizes kind of this idea that we're going to be talking about today. Amen. In the gospel debate, repentance is a hot topic. One of the most famous questions in the Bible is, what must I do to be saved? Acts 16.30. The correct answer to that question is a matter of life and death, eternal life and eternal death. Must a person repent in order to be saved? If the answer is yes, then what specifically is repentance? If the answer is no, then what is the purpose of repentance? Why does God call all men everywhere to repent? Acts 17.30 So let's go ahead and let's start with the definition of repentance. Well, I said uh, repent, I would believe, is one of the most recognizable words in Christian literature. It's as common as the word saved and born again. Uh, the question is, do, you, do we know really what it means, and do people know what it means? You may know that repent is the word repent is not in the original Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic. How many words are used in the Bible, do you think, to translate into this one term, repent? And then, where did our common meaning originate? This was a, a question that I wanted to know and spent quite a bit of time trying to understand. How has the uh, misuse of what repent meant in the original language confused uh, the minds of so many? And, of course, how should the word be used correctly? Hmm. So, John, how many different meanings do you think are ascribed to repent? How many different meanings? Oh, man. (laughs) Just by you, just by talking to you before the podcast started, I think there's many. Okay. But you pointed out something very important that... um, in order to get the definition or what repentance means, you have to look at the context. That's right. And um, okay. like, for example, I just want to throw out three things real quick. I know you have sure. some more things to say, but um, the change of mind view was held by Ryrie. You mentioned Ryrie earlier. Mm-hmm. And so Schaefer held that view too. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and you know, you all know Jody Dillo. He, he, um, held, he holds the view that repentance means remorse for sin. In other words, how would you... Um, Say that better. Remorse for people who are listening. Would you say sorry for your sins? Well, I would say regret. That's regret, probably yeah. a lot of it. Uh, regret, and I think you know it's easy to know. And 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 listen, this is part of human nature. Yeah, we sin all the time. 
there's no time where we don't sin, mm-hmm. or, you know, or become uh, without sin or out temptation. But uh, the question of it in relationship to salvation, yeah, uh, and having to do you stop sinning in order to be saved or so forth, but regret for it. Uh, what we understand that in the human experience, I believe, is the is the conviction of the Holy Spirit on us that we are not as good as we think we are. Yep. Mm. Okay. And we need to realize that or we'll never look for a Savior mm-hmm. because we're our own Savior. Yeah. And so at some time in our life, we have to see that we biblically, we know we fall short of God's expectation, Romans 3.23, mm-hmm. all have fallen short of that glory. Yeah. So, so there's in that. But going back to repent, um, if I've asked this before in a number of times, write down your simplest definition for repent, and then uh, you write it down. Well, what do you think it is? So, if you're listening right now, write it down. What is your definition of repent? And is your definition of repent as good as mine? <laughs> and uh, and no, seriously. I mean, you. I'm not. We're, we're not here to. You know, we're here to open up your minds to the Word of God and to the language of the Word of God and to understand things in the Word of God according to the Word of God. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, great heart, love the Lord, soul winners, want to go out. And, and they don't understand fully what repent is. Yeah. So obviously, it's something that you can live with. But could you live better if you and understand and choose your words better mm-hmm. if you knew what they meant? Yeah, and, and, and I agree there. I think, I think John and you hit the nail on the head that the idea of repentance needs to be defined by the scriptures, really. You know, we can't assume mm-hmm. and take our theological standing into our our understanding of scripture every single time we can't force that we can't wear rose-tinted glasses and i think you know if you look at that word repent you know the old testament will many times say something like and the lord repented well does the lord repent of sin and does the lord need salvation Mm -hmm. and so i think that's a major idea that we really now we got to develop okay so what is the Mm -hmm. lord repenting of Mm-hmm. Right. And so now we have to have an understanding of what is scripture saying then? Mm-hmm. And uh, now that's just one time, you know, a few uses in the Old Testament. And it usually has to do with God feeling upset about something that Israel had done and him showing favor with them. And so I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, it can be confusing if you always jam repentance with one single definition. Well, it's impossible to do. Yeah. And besides, who has the right definition today? The Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, let me tell you what some of those definitions today. Let me finish. Let me finish. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, I just, like I was, I was just going to finish up this. What, um, within the free grace camp, there are, Different yeah, definitions for repentance. I read the change of mind held by Ryrie. Dillo um, holds to remorse for sin, or like you said it, Pastor Chip, you said it's more of a regret. Mm-hmm. And the last one is held by Hodges and Dave Anderson, and they uh, believe that repentance means to resolve or to turn from sin. So, um, again, like yes, we, we, like they're we, all right. <laughs> well, I, I was about to say that, but according to the context is where you use yeah. the depth, each, 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 different each different one. And yeah. see, that's the thing. There's no one all answer on repent. There's no one and done yeah. on this word. Because first off, the word was created by man and put into a translation. 
It wasn't an argument done in the Greek or the Hebrew basis. It was used out of a translation of a Latin word mm. that was done by Jerome. And so, which comes up in the definitions of repent when you, you look up today. So what I challenge anybody listening to do is uh, go and look up the word repent and look up in every dictionary and source online, Google it, whatever, and see what you get. Let me give you a few that you're going to find. Princeton, uh, Princeton Library definition of this and uh, Princeton WordNet. Uh, says repentance penance is remorse for your past conduct right so that's one that was given mm -hmm. here's another one from uh from wiktionary uh the condition of being penitent now write that word down the condition of <laughs> yeah, being penitent because that has to be defined since it's being used to define a word a feeling of regret or remorse for doing wrong or sinning we see a similarity there mm -hmm. uh, number three is um from a uh, culture religion dictionary, uh, it says a turning with sorrow mm. from a past course or action. So if you turn uh, without sorrow, then it's not definitely repentance. And I think we've heard that probably in some sermons in the past. Right. Okay. But uh, that's what they're saying the word repent means. Then uh, uh, another one, a historical dictionary says feeling regret for sins committed and asking for forgiveness. That's kind of like a process that's taking place there, not really a definition, feeling regret for sins committed. And I think we all feel regret when we've done things that we know are wrong, especially if we've sinned against God and we recognize that. And then we know a little bit more, all sin is against God. Okay, repentance is complete. This is a, a stronger one from one of our Bible uh, programs online. Repentance is a complete remorse and sorrow for one's sins which are the transgression of the holy laws and commandments of God, whether in the letter or the spirit of the law. Now, that's assuming you that's know what the letter... Mm -hmm. Cody, I hope you have all the letter <laughs> and spirit of the law down, right? Yeah. Okay. There's another one now. Here's, a, here's another very common one. Turning back to God. Turn your life back over to God. Redirecting one's life towards God. And that comes out of England, out of their one of their church uh, glossaries. And then another one, again, to be sorry for the sins that you've committed. That's also in uh, an English dictionary. Merriam-Webster, repentance as a noun. The action or process of repenting, especially for misdeeds or moral shortcomings. This comes from the 14th century. That means the 1300s. And we're going to go to there and maybe in our discussion if we get to that yeah. okay that's a very important point and then synonym in the marion webster dictionary penitence is synonymous with repentance mm. okay now penitence and which is a punishment where you get the word penitentia comes from the latin use of the word that jerome used when he translated the greek word metanoia to penitentia in latin and therein is where this uh, began to be further established at the time prior to the Great uh, Reformation. Uh, but that had already sunk in for a thousand years. Mm -hmm. And so we have uh, some interesting things on that. And then it's also a verb. In other words, repentance is a thing, and then it's also an action. Uh, that also comes from the 14th century. From Middle English, uh, the Anglo-French word repentir. From the medieval Latin, it's re, and we get the word re ponetere, which is where we get, it's to, it's a reflexive dealing with uh, to feel regret, alteration, 
uh, to be more at penitent. Okay, mm. that's the definition they give there. Now, it's also an intransitive verb. We won't get into that too much. It just seems to turn from sin and dedicate oneself to the amendment of one's life. In other words, it's not a one and done thing. When you repent, you have to you have to do this in this case uh, for the rest of your life. Well, as pastors, would you disagree that people need to reform the, to to have their life transformed? I would say it's an impossibility <laughs> <laughs> to completely transform your life. Yeah. You know, in in a consistent level i mean we see yeah. uh many times even in the lives of biblical people that are considered heroes of faith they had a huge stumble uh solomon uh you you read at the end of his life it said in solomon uh, after the warning of god not to marry women that were outside of the camp of israel mm-hmm. fell and began to worship the gods of his wives absolutely um and he was considered the wisest man that yeah. ever walked yeah. um so you know i think that saying that in it right yeah. there kind of removes that well and also i know the church has had a time transformed ministries yes okay mm-hmm. so so a lot of what we do is dealing with this and of course this would make sense but is that process of transformation the part of salvation that gets you the new life the new birth Mm. and see that's a question to hold on to then outright uh we because of those definitions i mentioned the 10th definition that i've documented here for us is the word for etymology penitent and it's in middle english uh it comes penitent from latin uh, and then I've given you a couple of things there to look at. You guys don't need to look at it, listening to it, of course. But the function of this is as an adjective, feeling or expressing or humble, or forgetful, re- excuse me, not forgetful. i got to read this. Regretful, Regretful pain, sorrow for sins or offenses. And as a noun, it's known as a person who repents of sin. A person under church censure, uh, but admitted to penance or reconciliation, especially under the direction of a confessor. Now, with all these definitions I'm giving there are coming from a standard uh, Catholic source in uh, Washington, D.C., as they have designed this and, and published this, I should say, out of Washington, D.C. So, the, do you have any clue why there's so many uh, <laughs> debates <laughs> about this word today? I'd say this is a very loaded word. <laughs> yeah. 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 See, we're saying one word in English, but it's going to get even more interesting when we get into the Hebrew. Yeah. Uh, we're saying one word in English, but we have many different things in mind. And that's why it's worth taking a look at it, especially for Bible teachers and pastors. Do we really know what we're saying? When we use the word repent. So here's the big one. Here's the (laughs) kicker. When you're talking about salvation, which one of these definitions are we going by, right? Mm. Because so many times you hear a pastor say, you need to repent and be saved, right? You need to to trust Christ as your Savior and repent. Mm. Well, then what are they really saying? Mm. You know, that's one thing. And, and, um, you know, here at Southwest Community Church, for, you know, since the existence of the church, really, we stand on a solid explanation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? That's right. And mm-hmm. so, you know, uh, you look at it, and we try to avoid certain verbiage that can confuse people. Right. And I think when it comes to a word like repentance, that can be mm-hmm. one that confuses people when it comes to the salvation um, and, and it comes to their eternity. Yeah. Um, one thing that, you know, Dr. Larry Moyer always says is that you need to make it clear and simple 
Right. Why? Because people's lives, their eternity, is depending on it. And so if they think they are earning it through this idea of repentance, or if they think they have to do an extra step after believing, then really are we making it clear and simple? Really are we are we making it by grace through faith, mm. not of works? Yeah. And so, well, very good. That's excellent there. So that, that leads us to the question, then how has the word repent developed since it was first translated mm-hmm. into the scriptures after Christ 300 years? Okay, so that's where it first got translated in, repent. And that was in Latin the first time, and then later into English. And that would be done eventually by a fellow named William Tyndale. Mm-hmm. And some of you have heard him. And when Tyndale changed the translation from what was accepted in the uh, Latin Father's translation, he changed it from penitentia to repentir. He's the one who chose the word repentir to repent from a French word. A French definition. Uh, a French yeah. definition. He was burned at the stake. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he was called a heretic because this altered a religious system's understanding of what needed to be done in order for one to have eternal life. He, he and, translated, um, Tyndale translated the word repentance from the Latin? No, from the Greek. From the Greek. He did it from the Greek. Gotcha. Yeah. So he realized that as, and when he were going, was going in there and he wanted to have an English Bible for yeah. people to read, of course, the Tyndale version. Mm-hmm. And many people see it, you know, uh, you know, online. You know, I have never met anybody that carries it around. With them. <laughs> uh, but uh, nor do they carry the Bishop's version and so forth, the pre-King James versions. This was pre-King James for sure. But Tyndale influenced the King James writers a great deal when they met in their conferences to create the word in the King James, which then continued that word repent, because mm-hmm. that's the word they used, that Tyndale used to use in the King James Bible. And they knew that there would be differences of understanding according to the word, but uh, they said, this is what the this is what the guys uh, did doing the translation, the 57 men that were doing the translation of the thing. They said, well, we know that they understand this word is this. And metanoia, the word that we're going to be looking at, is the word. This is what it means. They all knew this. It's not uncommon. Ancient Greek, classical Greek, you know, the uh, modern, uh, the, the Greek of the New Testament. But they said, well, what we'll do is we'll leave it to the expositors mm-hmm. to explain the difference. Mm-hmm. Well, what did that mean? I'll leave it to the expositors. Well, Cody, that meant if you were an expositor, it's that to you to <laughs> yeah. interpret. Basically, it means the commentators, the has pastors, to know the difference. And, yeah. yeah, it has yeah. to know the difference. So, so we created our own hopsagomenon, in other words, you're saying. We, the first time usage of this word repent. <laughs> yeah, so, so the thing is, uh, just on a brief note, is the Old Testament usage of repent. Uh, is one that's really indicative of how this has been used. Because a lot of, almost every sermon that you hear, uh, there's going to be a half a dozen verses that will be looked at in the Old Testament that will define a turning back or a repentance of one of the definitions we looked at, they're going to say there. and But don't be surprised about it. First, uh, I know you guys already know the answer, but I don't know if those listening know. How many, the Hebrew word, for repent is shuv, mm-hmm. okay? S-H-U-B with a little comma on it, shuv. But did you know how many words that, if you look that word up in the Bible and you say, I'm gonna look up and find out how many English words are used in the translation of that. 
I think most people would be under surprised. A hundred and thirty-six different words are translated by that one Hebrew word. Wow. Okay. It's only used it's only used and translated according to the English translation as repent thirteen times in the Old Testament. Hmm. It's used as return in contrast to return, meaning to go back from where you were, 263 times. Okay? So, I'll give you an example. Jeremiah 15, 6 says, You have forsaken me, declares the Lord. You keep going backward. I will stretch out my hand against you and destroy you. I am tired of relenting. And I will winnow them with a winnow fork at the gates of the land and so forth. I will bereave them of their children. I will re destroy my people. They did not repent of their ways. My people, clearly God's people Believers. needed repentance, mm -hmm. okay? Not to become God's people. Right. They were God's people. Jeremiah 15, 6, 7, and you can read it, okay? So you keep going backward. And it dealt with the idea that they were going the wrong way, like John Candy and Steve Martin, <laughs> and they get confused on the interstate, and someone's yelling, you're going the wrong way. And, and uh, I think most people know that scene, and yeah. then he's like, how Plains do you know which way movies. we're going? Okay. What movie is that? Planes, trains, Planes, oh, okay, Planes, okay, trains, gotcha. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, in the classic Greek, okay, so that's the Hebrew, Old Hebrew, okay, the older Old Testament language I meant, not Old Hebrew, but Old Testament language. The next one's in the classical Greek, and that is before what we'll call the classical Greek, which was existent during the Old Testament era, okay? Classical Greek, metanoia, meant changing one's mind, the word that's used in the actual Greek text about someone or something. Thucydides used the term when writing about the response of the Athenian council to a revolt. The council decided that all of the men of the city of Mytilene were to be put to death, not merely those who participated in the revolt. However, on the next day, a repentance, no, it says a change of heart, and that was a metanoia, that change of heart came over them, and the Athenian council, there in the next word, there's where we're going to see it. The council changed its mind. Mm. Now, that would have to be if we did that repentant. Well, was that they were sorry they made it? No. The word meant what it meant. What defined it, John? Context. Context. There it is. Okay. It's decided only that those who participated in the rebellion should be put to death other than everyone. So, there's the main point here is is that uh, in the New Testament Greek there are the basic sense of the word means change of mind okay that's what the word was that's what it means um, and then there are there are four specialized uses of metanoia in the New Testament if you take all the uses of metanoia and put them down on a list of verses and put them together and I would encourage our readers uh, our listeners to do that and a few passages in here there are you're gonna see it is four things. One is a synonym, meaning the same thing, mm -hmm. as eternal salvation. Can you think of any things where people used, you know, the word metanoia, change your mind, and equaled it with it? Well, we've got a couple of those verses uh, in front of us right now. Uh, uh, Cody, why don't you take Second Peter 3.9? Sure. It says, The Lord is not 
willing that any should perish, but all should come to metanoia, mm. repentance. Right. Repentance. Well, that's what it's called a change of mind there. He doesn't want anybody to perish. But this is the same idea. If you look at First uh, Timothy 2.4, John, what does First Timothy 2.4 say? First Timothy 2.4, God desires all men to be saved. So we're talking about God wants all to come to metanoia. Mm -hmm. God desires all men to be saved. I know it's two passages, but the idea is here is we have a synonym, a, sim a meaning the same thing in here when we talk about eternal life. So if life. we're defining that aspect right there, yeah. we're only defining the use of metanoia in that verse. How do we say it? And that's important to remember, yeah. because that's my advocacy. Mm. After I finished the years of study on this thing, I came up with a rule that I applied to myself in my own uh, preaching and exegesis. Luke 5.32. Cody, why don't you read that sure. one? I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to metanoia, to repentance. And in this case, Jesus was affirming that he didn't come to call those who think they're righteous. He came to those themselves who know themselves to be sinners, to salvation. Metanoia is again used as a synonym for eternal salvation. And so we have this, this first definition is it's a synonym. It means the same or it's equal to. It's put as a, on a similar pattern. The second one is, uh, is the idea of something regarding sinful behavior. That people, that particularly believers, this is what it's talking to here, were called to, to talk to Christians about repentance, sinful behavior. And uh, if you look at Luke 7, uh, 3 and 4, uh, Jesus taught the disciples they were to forgive all who sinned against them if they came and indicated they had changed their minds regarding their sin. That's something now we're going to a behavioral issue. Right. Okay. Uh, and so it's important to note that... Um, uh, you want me to read that? Yeah, up? yeah. Sure. Would you please? Go ahead, Katie. It's uh, Luke 17, 3 and 4. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times a day, saying, I repent, forgive him. That's good. And what did Peter ask? <laughs> but Lord, can we? What is the actual number I have to count to do yeah. that? Right? Okay. What's the final number? Okay. So, so there's an example of of that one, and then another one in the New Testament of the word metanoia and what metanoia means a change of mind regarding ourself and Christ. And uh, and uh, Cody, do you have Acts two thirty eight there? Maybe you could read that one for us. I could go there. Okay, Pastor Chip. Before we get to Acts two thirty eight, I want to ask you a question. Sure. Because this is the question that. Since we're talking about change of mind, and, and Riley says that, um, um, he says, I'm going to quote Riley, he says, Repentance means a genuine change of mind that affects the life in some way. So the big question is, change your mind about what? Mm -hmm. And I know we're going to get into that, because that's what we're doing now. And, and he also says, saving repentance has to involve a change of mind about Jesus Christ, so that whatever a person thought of him before, he changes his mind and trusts him to be his savior. So um, if we take the view of change of mind, which it is, you know, it's biblical, obviously we're talking about it here, um, and the context is going to determine when to use the change of mind view, right? Is that correct? So um, if, if I, by me saying that, 
every every time the the word metanoia is in the New Testament doesn't necessarily mean the change of mind. The context determines what it means. Is that correct? Yes, and that's and and I believe it goes into these four general categories that yeah. we're talking about right now. So that's where it does take us to look at and see what is it that's being called on there who's being called to change right. what is the what is the situation around it mm-hmm. and usually the verses i feel that that are around it are pretty clear about that yeah once you look at that i don't i don't use the word repent every time i see the word repent anytime i see it in an english translation i use the word change of mind and i ask myself what does that mean and because you get asked questions, right? You guys get asked questions mm-hmm. all the time. And so I always ask myself that question. And then I go, am I prepared to, in the context, be able to give an answer for what that means? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I kind of know what it means to me. I mean, that's my opinion. But that doesn't make me right. I want to know, what does the Scripture say? What supports it in Scripture around what's being used? And then in order not to confuse, it's just simply better not to use the word repent even though I know that's the popular catch-all word. Mm-hmm. Because when I use a word, I don't want to say something that is not clearly understood by the person that's listening. Yeah. Okay? If I confuse them, then I'm putting another hurdle in my explanation and teaching in right. front of them that is going to make it confusing for them to know which way to go. So they may not be able to change their mind, okay, unless they know the truth. And that mind, the part of us that's changing in us, is in that source of the will and intellect of man, works together in the inner being. And that's what we're appealing to when we preach the word. Yeah. It's the, the, the choice, the will, what are we going to do? These come together, right. and we're going to be, and we're going to submit under the authority of the will of God. When we do that, all these other four that we're talking about, they all branch out mm-hmm. into something. And, and I think that it goes hand in yeah. hand with... Uh, you know, I love Doctor uh, Doctor Larry Moyer. He's a he's a great guy, but he he likes to say that if you can't make it simple, then you don't know it too well yourself. Mm. And <laughs> that's the idea. Is as pastors and leaders and theologians, we're called mm-hmm. to try to simplify the gospel, simplify the word of God, simplify these terms that we kind of throw out there, like repentance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we leave a cloud on because if there's a a a, a cloud on, at the pulpit, you know that there's there's confusion in the pews. Of course, and so there's going to be a fog to, throughout yeah, the whole cloudy people out there. Yeah, a lot of cloudy people. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. the idea is is just as you're saying is we need to make this as understandable yeah. as possible when people are confronted with this word in their Bible, and they will be. That's it. What is it saying? Right. So do you want me to read that passage? Yes. All right. Acts 2.38. Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So let's ask ask a question. What What was the exhortation to repent about metanoia? What were they being told to repent about? First off, were these evil uh, people... Uh, Gentiles. Were they evil Gentile people who were living an adulterous and lascivious life? No, these were not pagans. These were Jews. What kind of Jews were we talking about there? These are, according to the context of Acts 1 and 2, these are Jews living in Jerusalem, so they would have been watching the disciples, sat, received the bread of the, that is torn apart by Jesus, 
heard his teaching and at one point rejected it. And do you think any of those that were actually confronting uh, this issue in that particular chapter, the ones that were confronting this teaching and the ones that were being preached to, they were leaders of their people. Of course, yeah. This was not just, they were people from the Sanhedrin. They were the, their priests, their Levites. Yeah. They were the religious people. And so was he telling them that their lives needed to be amended? Was he telling them that they needed to, to, to uh, uh, live a kosher life? And if they would live <laughs> a kosher life, that they would, they would, these were the ones that specialized in living kosher lives. And, and so... So the question, again, the context kind of helps us on that one. Well, yeah, exactly. Verse 38 shouldn't be read without verse 37. You know, now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And Peter is given just one of the most beautiful sermons Mm -hmm. on, you know, what they had done to Christ and and the symbolisms from the Old Testament to the, well, what we call the New Testament, but Mm -hmm. to Christ, I guess Mm -hmm. you would say. Mm -hmm. And he, and... It says, and they asked Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? Okay, so now we understand. Yeah. We really messed up. We yeah. had crucified yeah. the Messiah, yeah. and we re- we had rejected him. Now what do we do? So was he telling them to be remorseful for their sin? No, they already were. Yeah. Yes. You see, the, the Holy Spirit had convicted them by the word of God, so he wasn't saying, repent again. Yeah, he, he he was and repent was not used. Okay, yeah. we understand that. So what we because it says they were pierced to the heart. They were pierced to so the they heart. They had already repented in heart because mm. now they had seen the resurrection of Christ, and these were the same people who had seen him as an apostate teacher worthy of death. Yeah, they saw Jesus as a man, and they reviled him. He came unto his own, and his own did not receive him. And yet there was still the grace of God where God allowed people to see this afterwards. They wanted to know what had just happened. How was how was the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, which they had just been watching among all the believers. And it really let them know, and God used that to let them know they weren't okay with God. Yeah. Before they were so okay with God, they were willing to crucify Christ. Now you got to think about this change of mind mm. is mm-hmm. huge. Oh yeah. They had to no longer see Jesus as a man born of a questionable parentage mm-hmm. uh, who taught uh, things that threatened their jobs and so forth. They had We are a, not born of fornication. Yeah, you heard him say that in another passage. So so we know that they had a huge thing that was faced on them. They had to say he's the one. Mm. Yeah. yeah. He's the one. Wait a second. He's the only one. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only one. Yeah, they had to realize Jesus as the Mashiach. Yeah, and so what happened? That's the beauty of that passage. That's the beauty there. I love that. All right, so as we keep on going in uh, Acts chapter 2, it says that, and with many other words, he solely testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. That's verse 40. Mm-hmm. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Mm. Sounds like a pretty good invitation. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we need to have Peter. <laughs> okay. So, so now we see in here that, you know, this is... This is uh, it's obvious that repentance 
has a different, the meaning of the metanoia, the change of belief, uh, it can, for the believer, we need to change our, at times. We're going to sin. We're going to need to change that. But when it comes to uh, ourselves and Christ and, and also our belief in idols, now a lot of people say, well, I'm not an idolater. Well, wait a second. Do you put anything before God? Do you, you know, what's your, what's your big thing in life? And the question in here was, is that in their life, they, they did the things that made them feel good. They offered their, their money to their things, either to themselves, some of them themselves, and other ones to, to, uh, to traditions, to their history. You know, what can I do? Like a lucky charm. Mm -hmm. You know, how am I going to get a lucky charm? Mm -hmm. You know, if I, if I say this three times and turn around three times, you know, I'll get good luck. I won't step on any black cats. <laughs> okay. In one passage, the object of metanoia is stated in one passage uh, as idols and God as a change. And so this was done in a debate uh, that Paul's dealing with in Acts 17. Uh, uh, John, why don't you handle that one, buddy? Uh, 2931. I got it right here, brother. Okay. I got my Rari Bible too, man. Handy <laughs> <laughs> dandy. That's what Rari used to say, right? Handy dandy Rari study Bible. So we're looking at Acts 17, 29. 31. To 31. To 31, yeah. And it says, Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. Because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. You see what he told them this, in order to escape eternal condemnation, they had to change their minds. They were religious people, but they, the idols were nothing. And so he pointed them to the unknown God. Which is an interesting yeah, thing. Yeah, so this is uh, the Athenians. The Athen yeah, the, there you the, go. The and they had to change their minds about their idols Rocks. and about God and the man mm -hmm. whom he had sent and would send again. In other words, he's coming again. They had to transfer their faith from their idols to God. Now, again, we go back. That's, that's an understanding of what happens when a person comes to Christ. Whatever it was they were trusting in, a system or themselves, or a system with themselves, they have to put their trust in Christ, that is a major, a mega metanoia. Yeah. Metanoia. It's a major change of mind. Yeah, okay? and, and in this, I mean, again, context, as we've been saying, is key. Everything. Key. Because if you go to verses 17 and below to 19, mm -hmm. the Stoics and the philosophers, um, they come up to... Paul, the Epicureans and, mm -hmm. and the Stoics, and they say, um, hey, can we know what you've been telling the Jews and the God-fearers? We, we would like to know a little bit about this. What's going on? You know, is this yeah. something that we're allowed to be in on? They see Paul, and they know Paul. Paul is a philosopher in his own right. Mm -hmm. And right. so they recognize Paul. They hear Paul. They, they hear the wisdom of God being spoken, and they want to know what is going on here. Amen. Mm. So, so we go there. That's the original. We're dealing with the book of Acts, the early church. We go there. Now, let's jump over a thousand years. Okay. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to halt us there. Oh, okay. And that'll be our sneak peek for the next oh, podcast. Okay. <laughs> so uh, if we are going to go ahead and summarize this, yep. this last thought, what should we say when it comes to this idea of repentance scripturally? Pastor Chip. 
Well, for me, it's I've, I've already said it. It's really not complicated. Uh, I don't go around correcting uh, people I don't know and, and trying to, you know, make a make them have to defend a position that they have already embraced but based out of not knowing what the word means or the mean, meaning of the words and letting the context define it. I simply try to go and point out the specific use of the word and the time or the use of the word in a situation mm. and say, well, what are you really trying to ask the people to do? I think most people that I know are trying to do their best. Mm. And, yeah. I th and I believe that. And I don't, and I'm nobody. All I've done is put some time into this to study it for myself yeah. and for my teaching. And I understand there, there's so many things that go on, particularly with pastors and life. You're working with buildings. You're working with people. You've got management groups. You've got budget groups. You've got, it's, it's, it's just a collage of, um, of confusion sometimes of all the jobs you have to focus on. Teaching is one part of that. But for the pastor or the shepherd, and the Christ, that is what God has called us to do, is to to explain the word, right. let the word speak. It's not me. I, listen, I, I have, you know, uh, nothing. You know, so you can disagree with me on what I'm saying here. But my point is, if you disagree with me, go to what what are you basing it on? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are you basing your disagreement on? Is it because this is your pet? This is your previous, I, I got saved doing it this way and so forth. What What is it that that you're going to base that argument on. I'm just saying, can you argue against the scripture on it? Mm -hmm. yeah. And you're talking scripture, but you got to remember, repent was not, the word that we're using was not used in either of the original languages. And there's a lot of a lot of words in the Bible theologically, Trinity, you know, people always throw that one out, Trinity. Well, I'll guarantee you there's a whole lot more in here about repentance and the change of mind, the Old Testament, what it meant, whether they're in covenant, out of covenant, you know, God's people, non-God's people, church, same thing. That's what you have to determine. Who are you talking to? Yeah. How does it yeah. apply? Context will do that. And and then just to avoid the conflict when you're teaching, don't use it. Yeah. Unless mm -hmm. you're reading a quotation from the Bible and it says it, but then qualify afterwards in a sentence my suggestion qualify in a sentence okay who is it talking about what was it talking about uh you know and you know and then you have applications that you'll see uh, i would like to end with a little story Go ahead. and it'll only take a couple minutes we uh we and you know him uh, but i'm gonna keep people nameless we yeah. had an a older guy that was a chain smoker addicted to alcohol as soon as he would get his paycheck he was just sloshed and he had grown up in an old way of thinking and preaching that salvation came through a change of a lifestyle mm. right mm -hmm. repentance and he felt that he could not be saved because he was addicted and stuck under this huge wall of sin in his life mm -hmm. right he was a drunk he you know did it he he partied that was his lifestyle poor guy was stuck in it well i remember having so many conversations with him well i can't i can't i can't trust christ as my savior mm -hmm. and i kept on it, it, there was many of us working on his life and i remember the day it finally clicked that there was no need of change to trust Christ as Savior 
It was trust in Christ as Savior. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved, right? Uh, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that he who believes shall have everlasting life. So it was just the belief. And I like the saying, you know, we catch the fish, he cleans the fish, right? <laughs> and that's the idea is you let the Holy Spirit, once he's in you, guide you to the change that he wants you to make. Amen. And give you the power to do exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Because that's where a lot of people go, can they, they, they can't do it. Oh. heart, without no. the Holy Spirit, make that change against yeah, they don't need, and the, and your, And take that sin against Your flesh against doesn't sin. even want to change. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big battle. Yeah. yeah. Very good, Cody. Thank All you. All right. Well, I think we'll go ahead and uh, stop there. And uh, please join us for part two of Talking Repentance with Pastor Chip Birch. Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast, a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org, located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember, the only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.